Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and for those of you who are new around here, I've been building brands for nearly 25 years, for as long as I can remember. I started my own company back in 2010 with a $500 investment, and I grew that business to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. I grew this business through partnerships with Target and Nordstrom, The Honest Company, Unilever, and hundreds of other brands. This was all before I led its acquisition to a large agency holding company in 2019. Two years later, I exited with one goal, to support other female founders and businesswomen through their own entrepreneurship journeys. And that's what we're doing right here each and every week with Dear Founder. This is my letter to you to help you build, grow, scale, and maybe even sell your own business. Now, today I'm going to be opening the box to a topic that I don't talk about very often and I have never talked about in the way that you're about to hear and that is the sale of my company. Thursday's episodes of Dear Founder are called Founder Files. They're episodes that are designed to move your business forward through a specific lesson or through actionable tips and while there really is no blueprint for selling a business, I do hope that the 15, I think it's actually 16 tips that I'm going to give you here will give you a lot to think about as you look to grow and scale and expand your business and maybe one day sell it for yourself. But I also think that there are some really great nuggets of advice and information embedded in the content and in the story today that really and truly any business owner can find helpful. If today's episode strikes a chord with you, it would mean so much for me if you shared it. I, like I said, this is a story I don't often share. It's a story I really have never shared like this. And you are catching me at probably my most vulnerable moment. So if it resonates with you, I'd love to know. Please feel free to reach out, DM me, share it whatever it might be, um, you know, it really just would mean the world to me. So today's episode, I'm going to walk you through 16 tips that I found helpful in looking back on the sale of my business. And I'm going to be weaving it into the story of how I built my business, how I scaled my business, how I sold my business, and all of the emotions that ran through the entire time really is what is what this episode is about. So number one, 
be transparent and truthful about your experiences. I have alluded to what I'm about to share mainly because I wasn't really ready to share it and partly because I wasn't sure if I could. But because this is about me and no other entity, I know now that I'm able and ready to share this part of my story with you. When you open the trades and you read about the companies who are acquired, you read about the sales and the mergers of the founders who have walked away with life-changing money in their bank account. The ones who go public, the ones who ring the bell on the NASDAQ, you don't hear the other stories. And truthfully, I, I really, to my core, understand why. And you'll hear in a few minutes why I want to change that. It's taken me three years to get to the place where I want to share what I'm going to share with you today. When things don't work out the way that you planned, expected, or wanted them to, you feel like a failure. And why would anyone want to share that story? The story uh, that they might perceive as a failure. But I'm not a failure. And it took me a while to a really long while to get to this place and to truly believe it. You've heard me say many times here and on other podcasts and on my social media that things with the sale of my company didn't turn out exactly the way I'd expected or wanted them to, and, it, and they didn't. But that doesn't mean that I failed. I took a brand from zero to seven figures on my own, and I sold it on my own to a large corporation. Sure, there are parts of this story that I maybe would have written differently, but then again, maybe not. Maybe this story is written exactly the way that it's meant to be told. Throughout the last few years and the many conversations that I've had, I know that it's the other stories, the ones like mine, that make up 99.9% of founder stories. It's the bankruptcies, the loss of revenue, the changes in the environment, the bad business decisions, the economy, the lack of resources, the pandemic, trusting the wrong people, and so many other situations that are truly the norm when it comes to business acquisitions. You just don't really hear people talk about these stories or those chapters of our lives because they don't want to share them. They don't want people to know. But why? Why? I am so damn proud of what I've accomplished, whether it turned out the way I had planned or not, or the way I wanted or not. And other founders, both male and female, need to not be worried about the optics and sharing or not sharing their stories. And honestly, it's time we change this. It's time we start talking about these stories too, to teach one another, to learn from each other's mistakes, to humanize ourselves, and to really and truly just be honest about business business benchmarks, and what goes on 99.9% of the time. I will preface today's episode with, there are still things I cannot talk about. You will hear me share more today than ever, and I promise when I can and I am able, and it's not on me, but when I am able, I will share the rest. But whether you're a business just starting out, one looking to raise money or find investors to scale and sell, you will walk away from today's episode of Dear Founder with an understanding of what it really looks like to build a business from nothing, why you would want to sell it, and the process, what the process looks like, and eventually what it looks like to go back to corporate America, and then eventually to make the decision to leave and start all over again. 
before I get into why I've decided to share this story today of all days, there's something I want to clear up. Well, yes, I made money through the com- through the sale of my company. You heard me say on the Bobby Brown episode of Dear Founder, and I've said it other places too, that I am not a multiple millionaire from the sale of Bump Club and Beyond. And truthfully, well, I would love to share this part of the story. It isn't something I'm able to get into right now, mainly for reasons that are out of my control. I need another year or so before I'm able to get into this part of the story. But again, I promise I will, and I will eventually get into these details, and I will eventually share them. I do think there's a lot that we all have to learn from those details. So number two, trust your gut. You'll hear me talk about this a little later as well, but it's really my gut that's telling me that today is the day to share this story. So why share this story? Why now? The first is, the first reason really is, why not? What am I waiting for? But really and truly, the stars aligned this week in a way that was kind of, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it was kismet, but in the weirdest way. And the way that it happened told me that today was the day. This week I listened to a podcast that I tune into every week called Cubicle to CEO with Ellen Yin. She had a guest on named Gabrielle Stone and Gabrielle shared how in her most vulnerable moment she shared her truth and in doing so she helped others, millions of others, and continues to do so. So I thought to myself, why wouldn't I open up more, especially about what I can share when it comes to selling my company. A lot of people out there would probably benefit from hearing my story. I listened to this episode of Cubicle to CEO from 35,000 miles in the sky on an airplane this past Monday. And when I landed and I opened up my phone, I had a text message that after three years, the company who bought my first company, Bump Club and Beyond, had notified all of their employees that very day while I was on the airplane that they were letting them go. At this time, when I'm recording this, there hasn't been an announcement made about the future of the brand, but as the last legacy employee is no longer employed by the company I founded, I can honestly say it is the end of an era. And thus, there is no better time to reflect on the past in order to build the future than right now. So tip number three. When building your business, make sure you show up and serve others. This will help you to connect with others beyond your wildest imagination. Like Gabrielle Stone, whose story I listened to on Cubicle to CEO, I wake up every single morning with the goal to help others. I served parents to be in parents through Bump Club and Beyond for over 10 years, 11 years. And today I serve female founders of companies, both big and small, through my consulting work, my coaching work, my classes, and my public speaking. If this episode helps just one person, one person, it's worth sharing. I've done what I've set out to do, and I've always said that when it comes down to any single thing that I put out into the world. So I want to start by saying this. I have no regrets And you're going to hear me talk a little bit more about this at the end, but I have no regrets. Without the story I'm about to share with you, I wouldn't be here today and most likely you wouldn't know me. So let's start there. As so many of you know, building a business is hard. It doesn't matter if you raise capital or you bootstrap. 
being a founder, especially a female founder, is lonely. And at the time that I started my own company, social media the way we know it today was in the distant future. A few years in, I'd connected with some other female founders, mainly clients, but it really wasn't until much later that I had a network of fellow female business owners to lean on. Number four, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing. Teach yourself or find someone who will. And when you can, hire people for the tasks you can't or do not want to do. Be strategic about who it is you bring into the organization. They can make or break you. I am lucky that with my hires team, with my hires at Bump Club and Beyond, for the most part, they made the brand what it was when I eventually sold it. Hands down. I could not have done it alone. I could not have done it without them. Your team is an extension of you. They are so important and it is so imperative that you find the people, the right people to go on this journey with you. When I started Bump Club, I had zero clue what the fuck I was doing. I knew ad sales. That's what I knew. I knew sponsorships and I figured out how to throw events really fast. I knew marketing. I had a master's degree in it. But my finance class was the one I struggled with the most. And honestly, when it came to running a business, I hadn't a clue. But I taught myself. I learned how to do it. I Googled a lot and I asked a lot of questions of a lot of people whenever I had the opportunity. I figured it out. And for the first few years, we really did fly by the seat of our pants. We did a little bit at the end too, but not as much. I paid myself when I could, and our finances, honestly, in the beginning were a total fucking disaster. The best decision I made early on, about a year in, was making my first hire. This was a person who had been working for me part-time, and she was desperate to make it a full-time position. So I hustled, I went out, and I secured a sponsor that would cover her salary. And I knew that doing this would free up my time and I would be able to secure more sponsors to grow the business. And that's exactly what it did. This woman went on to be a part of my team for nearly six years. And it really wasn't until I hired my first bookkeeper and an attorney that the business started to shape up and become real. We were working with companies like Target and Nordstrom, both of whom came to us at the same time, (laughs) due to the deep relationships that we had in the baby industry. I needed legit support and I needed to feel and function like the real business that we were becoming. And I want to say one more thing about hiring is that when someone comes to you and they want to be hired by you, find a place for them. I did this with my first employee, I did this with my two salespeople who were my second and third employee. And I did this later on with my one of my last hires before the acquisition. But as of this week, she was the last legacy employee at Bump Club and she had been there for six years. This was someone who came to me with a certain set of experience. I didn't have a job that matched her experience, but she really wanted to work for me. And she really wanted to facilitate our mission. And so I found a place for her. I knew she was capable. I needed a marketer. I told her I'd teach her how to do it. Later on, she went on to take on our director of events role when that role was vacated. But in the beginning, that wasn't what she was hired for. 
And I will honestly and truly say to the end, and I have said this on LinkedIn, I've said this many places, this was someone who believed in me, believed in my brand, believed in the mission of the company, and really just wanted to see it succeed. And she was probably the very best employee I've ever hired anywhere that I've worked in my entire life. And so I say that because it is important you hire the right people and the right people don't always have the right experience that line up with a job description. So number five, put your team and your reputation first, even over yourself sometimes. As a founder who bootstrapped my entire operation, there were many sleepless nights. As we grew our team, I worried about making payroll. I often didn't take a paycheck myself, and I know that that is the case for so many founders. Tuesday's episode of Dear Founder, they say that they didn't take a paycheck for five years, and that's something that I think a lot of founders are not transparent about. A lot of founders really show up in terms of optics online and you think that they are rolling in the dough and have so much money and have so much revenue coming in and are taking this big paycheck. But I know a lot of you are not and I wasn't. And and that's I, I've never really said that I was. Um, I did eventually take a paycheck, but in the beginning, you know, it really um, was here and there. And oftentimes I paid my team first. You know, I had an employee who I had to let go and I wanted to do right by her. And I provided her with eight weeks of severance, which essentially was me not paying myself for that amount of time. And then there was another instance where I had a contractor who was very involved in the business and it turned out she wasn't sending us invoices and we weren't paying her. But I had a bookkeeper at the time, one who I ended up firing and who wasn't telling me and who didn't ask her for an invoice. She didn't bill me for six months only to hit Bump Club with an invoice for over $35,000 at the end of the year. And that was a lot of money for Bump Club. It was also during a time of year when our cash flow was not big. Um, we didn't host events in December. We didn't have cash coming in. We were winding down. We actually had cash going out because we were putting deposits down on event venues for the next year. So when I asked my bookkeeper why he didn't say anything to me, he said, well, it's up to her to invoice and I wasn't going to chase her down. And yes, he was right. Per my contract with her, I didn't have to pay her invoices that were for services that were over 30 days. Um, and sure, maybe I wasn't legally obligated to pay her, but she was threatening to sue me and my reputation was at stake. And so I finally agreed to a payment plan with her. I paid her every dime. And once again, I didn't take a paycheck for you know, myself for, for quite some time while I was paying out her the money that I owed her. When I say I had constant diarrhea, I mean it. I, you know, and I'm not saying that to be funny. I think a lot of founders that are listening to this can totally understand where I'm coming from. This was one of the most stressful moments during my tenure as the owner of my company. And I share these stories as these are the small instances that make up so many of the full founder story that founders have. Yet so many of us don't talk about them. It's not just the wins or the highs. It's also the lows that make up who you are as a founder and who you, are, and who you will be when you go on to your next endeavor. So number six, know when your time is up. For me, I knew I had a shelf life for my business. I wasn't going to be a young mom forever, 
my kids were growing up and I no longer was using the products that we were talking about all the time as a company. My interests were changing as well. And while I knew that I could market and sell our company till the end of time, I also knew that eventually it would be time to move on. I didn't want to be hawking strollers and demonstrating car seats forever. And while I always knew that I wanted to either sell the company or find an investor by the time I was 40, it really was when I realized that I didn't want to work like this anymore, bootstrapping a business and not taking a paycheck, that I became more open to the possibility. I was starting to get really tired and I knew in my bones that we needed to make a change. So number seven, don't be afraid to find the opportunity and to make the change. Truthfully, I was really lucky. It was kismet. I really like the stars aligned with this. But in the summer of 2018, three entities reached out to me on LinkedIn. And I normally don't even respond to messages on LinkedIn. Now I do. But I thought I knew the first person who reached out, the one who I ended up selling my company to. And so I responded. It turns out I didn't know her, but I she seemed familiar. And so I responded to her and she asked to set up a call. She was an M&A contact for the company who ended up buying me, and she connected me with the business within the company who was interested in buying me. She ended the call by saying, what are your goals for the future? Would you ever sell the company? And I told her yes. The second company ended up being Some Spider. They are the ones who bought Scary Mommy, and you can listen to their founder, Jill Smokler, talk about that acquisition on Dear Founder. I'm going to link it in the show notes. But as you'll hear her say, I am so glad that my intuition was right about the sale there. It was not the right fit. And plus, they ended up wanting an aqua hire, which meant they wanted to acquire my company, disband it, and have me build for them what I built for Bump Club. And I really just had no interest in starting over when my brand name carried so much equity. The third company I knew right off the bat wasn't a fit, and I never entertained a conversation. So tip number eight. Do your due diligence into the company who wants to buy you. Not just the surface stuff. Really dig in. Talk to people about their experiences doing business with them, working for them. Ask for references. Know you are getting into be- know who you are getting into bed with. And tip number nine: Make sure that they are buying you for reasons which align with your notion to sell. I'm going to say that again. Make sure they are buying you for reasons which align with your notion to sell. If you want to work there forever, make sure those measures are in place. If you want an exit, work it into your contract. If you really and truly care about the brand and you want to see it thrive, make sure they are going to take care of their investment in your company versus buying you for an ulterior motive or an exterior relationship. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I wanted to tell you about HoneyBook, the new tool I've been using to automate my business. This past December, I felt that things were a little bit disjointed. My coaching and consulting contracts and client acquisition process wasn't automated. And honestly, I just kind of felt like a mess. And then someone introduced me to HoneyBook. They're the leading client flow platform for independent businesses. And it's what I use to make my client acquisition and payment processes as easy as possible, not just for me, but for you. HoneyBook allows me to manage my workflow and my client experience, streamlining all the steps that it takes to sell and deliver my personalized services. By combining tools like billing and contracts and client communication, HoneyBook helps independents get organized and provide top-tier service at every step, and I have loved it so far. 
The best client experiences truly are built on HoneyBook and I am totally sold. You can check out the link in my show notes and give it a try for a dollar a month through February 27th. So I entered conversations with the company who ended up buying me in the summer of 2018. I created a sales deck, a financial model for scale and growth, and the most important, a plan for how we could get there. And I want to point out that this plan that I positioned and shared in all of my meetings was never followed post-acquisition. But there was a plan in place as to how we would reach the numbers that they wanted us to reach based on my experience growing the brand. That's what they bought from me. I'm told that my experience selling the business is an anomaly. They wanted to close on January 1st, and so the whole thing took about seven months. During that time, I was a complete and utter mess. I was doing my regular job. I was running Bump Club and all of our events. I was traveling all over the country. I was handling our content, our social media, and our team. And then at night, I was working on the sale of the company. In between Bump Club events and trade shows, I flew twice to Orange County to meet with the purchasers, and I think they came once to Chicago. And I'll tell you that it was in this short time frame that I knew I had to make this deal go through. I had reached the point where I simply didn't want to be responsible anymore. I was so tired. I was so tapped out. And I needed someone else to bear the responsibility of the business. The other thing is I didn't want to go out of business because that was really the other option. I I just I didn't want to shut down the business. I felt like I would be letting so many people down, my team, our community, myself even. And to me, that felt even harder for me to do that and shut down the business than, you know, selling the business. To me, that felt even harder. And so really and truly, this was the out that I needed and I so truly desired. And all the while, I wasn't able to tell a soul. My team didn't know. And this was really, really, really tough. Because we were and we still are like family. I talked to these women on a regular basis and I wasn't able to tell them that there were big changes coming until my letter of intent to sell had been signed. So tip number 10, take care of your team as much as you can through the sale of your company, especially if they're coming with you. I did my very, very best with this. I pushed for higher salaries. I pushed for more vacation days. One, I pushed really for a vacation policy that aligned with my own vacation policy, which was different than the corporations. I pushed for flex time. I had built a company so that moms could work. We couldn't take away that culture. That culture was the DNA of the company. When you take care of your people, it makes them more apt to come with you. I had to let one person go mainly because she was moving, but 100% of the rest of my team came. And in December of 2018, I told my team, they were surprised. I think they thought that I was going to reach an investment deal. I don't think they thought I was going to sell. And and it's something we've really kind of only touched upon. Um, They were surprised, but not, you know, I mean, they knew something was going on. And I basically said to them, you are going to have a solid, steady paycheck with benefits and a 401k and all of the things that I am not able to provide you with. We need the funding and I need the support. I myself want to make a normal paycheck. I don't want to work round the clock anymore. I want some balance. And this will essentially help our growth because at the end of the day, I wanted Bump Club to be a household name 
for all the right reasons. And during December of that year, 2018, we onboarded them to the new company. I signed the documents and I sent them over after a final conversation and negotiation with legal on December 31st, 2018, on my way to my New Year's party. As of January 1st, 2019, Bump Club and Beyond and all of our assets were no longer mine. Tip number 11. This is a tip that Jill Smokler shared with me on Dear Found Her when she talked about the sale of Scary Mommy. She said, if someone is pursuing you, take your time. Don't let them push you into the sale or rush you in any way. They are pursuing you. And this, this right here is my one regret. I wish I took more time. I really do. I wish I didn't felt the rush. I know that hindsight is twenty twenty. You can't think of the what ifs, but what I will say is make sure that you have everything you want in your contract. Make sure that you don't rely on anyone's verbal promises or that are tied to any part of your sale. Remember though, this is a negotiation and I've said this on other podcasts before. It's a negotiation and oftentimes the buyer has the upper hand. I wanted to sell so badly and so admittedly I conceded on some things. Truthfully, I don't even know that I would change my mind even knowing what I know now. I I really don't know that I would. At first, after the sale, everything was very exciting. We were the shiny new object at the company who acquired us. I was paraded around. I was sent to New York. I went on some other trips to meet corporate executives. And all I will say Um, sorry, and I I will say that this is where I have to leave some of the pieces out for now, but it became apparent very quickly that going back to corporate America was not all that it was cracked up to be, at least not for me. I was reminded really quickly how personnel changes all the time and then oversaw my brand quit three months in and my company hadn't even been fully integrated into the greater organization yet. Tip number 12. Once your company is acquired, don't ever stop pushing for or advocating for your brand and for your team. Know that the company who bought you, they need you. Unless they know everything about your business, they need you for a solid transition. And while the first year was a definite struggle, we were set to kick off year two with a bang, largely due to my team pushing to get back on track with our own contacts at Target. We finally re-signed our deal with them. Having gone from a six-figure deal when I owned the company to now a seven-figure deal because of the capabilities to scale, this program was huge, and it was set to start on March 8th, 2020, with a giant webinar directing expectant parents into 300 Target stores nationwide on March 20th and 21st of 2020. And so as you can imagine, the program took shape quite differently than how it was set out to. I refused to let us lose the revenue, and in a Hail Mary effort, I created an online version of the program that we pitched to Target right before we went into lockdown. You see, Target had already canceled all of their in-store events as of March 1st, so we knew we needed something quick. And before anyone else in the world was meeting the changes in the needs of consumers due to the pandemic... We had created this program and we sold it in. We locked in a really great program and it was a giant success. We ended up getting a webinar in right under the nose of COVID. A couple of our team members flew here. No one even knew what masks were or anything. It was March 8th and 9th, I think, of 2020. 
we did these webinars in a hotel ballroom that we rented at the last minute and we use them to drive engagement to the online component of this program that ended up delivering 3 million impressions, millions of people watched the live events on Facebook, and we distributed 10,000 baby registry kits via mail. Mail, And there was so much demand for them, we got quite a bit of backlash when we ran out. And while Target signed on for the whole year in 2020, and then again in 2021, the corporate piece of our brand integrating into the corporate ethos of the company who bought Bump Club was still quite messy and it got messier. And honestly, it never really got better for me. So number 13, tip number 13, again, listen to your gut. This is so important and why I'm mentioning it again. I was absolutely miserable. Like so many people during the pandemic, I was working round the clock. I was at my desk having meetings and running our business by day. And then I was leading our online events and our Facebook lives each and every night. I wasn't sleeping. I was hardly eating. And honestly, I prayed every single day that I would get fired. I'm not kidding. I just wanted to get let go. So much so that I started to say no, no to things, partially because I couldn't handle any more work and partially because I really didn't care if they bid me adieu. They would ask me to do something and I'd say, nope, I can't. Literally, that was how I operated. And then something monumental happened during the summer of 2020. We had never shied away from social issues which impacted our community at Bump Club and Beyond on our social media. And all of a sudden, we were asked not to address them through our social media. And as the face of the company and someone who was showing their face on social media each and every day, I felt I couldn't look our community in the eyes with these huge giant elephants in the room. And it was in that moment that I realized this isn't mine anymore. And I asked myself, do you want to keep working here? Do you want to be the face of a company where you have no control but they have a say over the persona that you put out into the world for yourself. And I'm sure that it comes as no surprise, but for me, the answer was a big, fat, giant no. The second realization I had was when brands started to reach out to me to ask me to work on projects for them. And they were willing to pay me two to four times what I was being paid per month to do them. It was during that time that my eyes were opened wide to the possibilities that were out there for me and my family. I realized that staying at this company, holding on to the brand I so loved and founded was detrimental not only to me, my physical and mental health, but also to my entire family. It was impacting our finances and the time that I was able to spend being with my kids and my husband. I couldn't shortchange my family anymore. Leaving felt impossible. It really did. I loved my company. I loved my team. I loved my brand. And most of all, I loved our community. And I didn't want to abandon them. I advocated for various changes so many times. I really tried to make some changes to get me to a place where I could operate like a human, like myself. But it felt like the same hamster wheel over and over and over again until one day I decided I just had enough. And I told my manager at the time, it was about January, February of 2021, that I was considering my exit and what it would look like. 
And I don't think she believed me. I really don't think she thought I was serious. But, you know, I did give her the heads up. And in May of 2021, I went to her and I said, I'm leaving. And here are the options for my exit. So tip number 14, when you decide to leave, do so on your own terms as much as you possibly can, if you can. This was the point when I was happy that I didn't get fired. You see, leaving the right way was very important to me. I wasn't just leaving a B2B or a service-based business that, that I started. I was leaving a company that I put not just my name on, but my face on for 11, 12 years and is the face of a brand you carry a weight like none other. People know you. They're, they're in your life. You're in theirs. And abandoning these people in my community was not an option. And again, I can't really get into the full story here right now, but I will share that I didn't leave until July 23rd and we had my final negotiation the day before. And I will tell you what it came down to. I do think the company knew that they needed me. I still had a lot of information about the brand that no one had extracted from me. Right down to me being the only one who had the Instagram password. But we were going back and forth on my terms. There was a lot of back and forth until I finally said, and not in these exact words, but in words sort of like these, I guess. I just said, it's these conditions or nothing. I am taking my kids to camp tomorrow and we must reach an agreement before we go or else tomorrow is my last day and I'm just done. So I ended up consulting for eight weeks. I ended up giving them books and books and books upon playbooks of what to do with the company and how to continue growing it and scaling it. And on September 8th, 2021, I closed my computer at Bump Club for the last time. So tip number 15. Don't have imposter syndrome. If you get to the point where you've sold your business, you've accomplished something huge. Don't let anyone or anything convince you otherwise. I will tell you, I was scared shitless. What if no one was going to hire me? What exactly was I going to do? But just like the first time, I figured it out. And with the experience and the past decade, with the experience that the past decade had given to me, I've already done so much far faster than when I was at Bump Club. All of the lessons that I learned through the experience of building, scaling, and selling my company, I've applied to Lindsay Pinchuk Marketing and Consulting and to Dear Found Her. And in year one, I've gotten to a place that was probably two to four years into Bump Club, where I was at that point of Bump Club. Tip number 16, be proud of yourself and regret nothing. I want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. I have no regrets. First of all, had I not sold the company, we would have gone out of business during the pandemic like almost every one of our competitors. And instead, I walked away with the experience of selling my company and making money in the process. I'm incredibly proud of what I built and accomplished with Bump Club and Beyond. The work that we did alone helped millions of parents and parents-to-be. I built a lifestyle brand, yes, one which served millions of parents during a time when they needed the resources and the support the most, and one which served the most important person 
or people in my life as well. And that's me and my family. I built a bit a business which I benefited from greatly. I had a flexible job and I worked on my own terms. I picked up my kids from school. I dropped them off. And at the same time, I got to travel across the country, often seeing so many of my closest friends. I was able to pay myself. I was able to provide flexible working jobs for eight full-time employees and 12 to 15 part-time employees at any given time. We made our own schedules and we got shit done. We helped millions of people who needed the resources we provided, making their lives as parents that much easier. I never paid for a thing for my kids. Through my work and through the company I built, I had so many unpaid benefits like free diapers, baby gear, furniture, classes, photo sessions, special event invitations, and so much more. And I was able to go on and share those things with so many people in our community, with my friends and family. And honestly, it was just really a great perk. My company also connected me directly with hundreds, if not thousands of people. And while those who I worked with became my work family, they also became lifelong friends. And those within our community became and still are my friends. This year, the first Bump Club babies, like my daughter, started sixth grade. And I can't even tell you the online chatter amongst us all spread out across the country when they did. Bump Club gave me and so many purpose every single day of our lives and brought some of the most important people to me that will ever come into my life. And more than anything, Bump Club gave me the experience of building a company from nothing, growing it, scaling it to reach 3 million people a month, generating seven figures per year repeatedly, only to sell it, exit, and then start over. And that is the piece that is invaluable. I am proud of it all, but this is really the grand takeaway from the entire experience. It is why I'm able to do what I do now. It's why I'm qualified to consult for your companies, coach you as you start your businesses, teach you in my classes, and give you keynote speeches on how to market and ignite your brand so that others know that you're there. And once again, I am doing it all on my own terms. I'm picking up my kids from school. I'm driving them to school. I'm seeing them when they come home. And they need me right now just as much, if not more, than they needed me when they were babies. But all of this, it's because of this story that I shared with you today. So yes, multiple millions would have been nice. (laughs) I'm not going to deny that. But you have to look at every experience for what it is. You have to know that it fits into a larger ecosystem of your life and it has its own purpose. Perhaps I'm meant for greater things and Bump Club was simply the starting point. I cannot thank you enough for being here. If you've reached this point of the story, I want you to know I am forever grateful. Your support now and always is what propels me forward each and every day. And it always has since the day I started Bump Club on March 3rd, 2010. And I cannot thank you enough for giving me the space to tell this story and to share it with you today. So now that I have shared it with you, I invite you to tune in tomorrow. I am going to share a bonus episode of Dear Found Her 
where I'm going to break down the top six, the, the 16 tips that I learned from this experience and shared with you today. In today's episode, I really interspersed them throughout the story, but I do want to break them down for you so that anyone who wants to help their business has easy access to them and can find them and listen to them and take them away in the best way that works for their business. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Stay tuned. We're going to have a bonus episode tomorrow, but stay tuned for a new episode of Dear Found Her every single Tuesday and Thursday.